Okay. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to no. Practical Spirituality, Part 2. If you could just nod your head if you hear me clearly. You're coming through good. Good. Beautiful. So tonight, we're going to be doing the second part to the overview of Tanya. Last week, we discussed who am I and what can I be. And tonight, we're going to be discussing some tools for life. Admitting some people. Give me a moment. Beautiful. So I'd like to briefly review uh, what we've learned last week, and then we could continue on. So we started off learning how Tanya is practical and personal. Tanya's personal advice for the Chassid's question, offering practical solutions to the Chassid situation. So every one of us, the chassid meaning each and every one of us, has questions. And the Alter Rebbe says, I don't have time to answer you all individually. So I'm gonna I'm gonna answer your questions in these 53 chapters. We continued to learn about how the Tanya is broken up into nine sessions with the Alter Rebbe. And the first session we learned how we're all pregnant with twins, meaning we all have these dual identities of Yaakov and Esau, of the animal soul and the godly soul. Like our foremother, Rivka, who was not carrying one bipolar child, rather two children, Yaakov and Esau, each with their own identity. We, were, we are all pregnant with twins, two drives. And we concluded last week with the second visit to the Alter Rebbe, where we learn that you can be in a complete control of your behavior. Wow. So this is where we left off last week with this idea that we could be in complete control of our behavior. So to review, there are nine visits. Last week we learned the first two. And tonight we're going to try with God's help and finish the last seven visits. To, uh, to kind of put us in the right frame of mind, I'd like to share a story. It's a two-minute video clip of a story of the author of the Tanya himself, the author Rebbe, um, and, a, and something that happened on the holiest day of the year at the holiest moment of Kol Nidre. So please follow along. It's going to be sung as a song. From far and wide, Hasidim had to show Yom Kippur with their Rebbe. Every heart was full. Suddenly, Talis and Kittle, he removed their Rebbe left. They all looked on confused. Helpless as she heard. Her baby cried in dire need. She let out a weak sigh. Ill and afraid, a woman lay alone. No food to eat, no one to warm her home. To her great surprise, someone entered her home. The Rebbe had come to help her on his own When a kid's in in shul he would not stay Even on the holiest of days He coupled lit a fire, prepared a hearty meal So she could care for her child and to help her heal The Alter Rebbe Showed us what to do We must be Moiser Nefesh for a Jew
so we have this story where the Alter Rebbe is in Shul on the night of Yom Kippur, and everybody's gathered. The Chazan is standing there. He's about to start, and the Alter Rebbe leaves. And everybody's wondering, where is he going? And he goes, there's a woman who had just given birth. Her husband went to Shul. Her husband said, hey, I need to go to Shul with Yom Kippur. And the Alter Rebbe leaves Shul, and he goes to cut wood and create a fire, feed her. So what, I think one of the questions, many questions that the story leaves us with, but some of them are, first of all, you're desecrating Yom Kippur. You're, why not get someone else to help? Why not send her husband home? Hopefully at the end of the class, we'll have some great clarity on these questions. You know, another, let's leave it with that question in lieu of time. Another time I'll share with you another beautiful story called Rebbe. Uh, the Rebbe said, I envy you. So let's jump ahead. So, you know, you've learned from in, in your last visits to the Alter Rebbe, we've learned that we could be in complete control of our behavior, of our, of our outside. But your insides are not matching up. Your intellect, your emotions are not really excited. Your animal soul is still burning strong within you, but you're controlling your behavior. And this causes a problem. I've been practicing impulse control, controlling my behavior. And at the same time, my emotions continue to encourage me to follow my animal drive. This friction is creating anger and frustration within me. What can I do? So I'm controlling my behavior, but my emotions are telling me to do otherwise. How can I deal with it? It is this question that leads us to our third yechidos, our third guidance, which is my insights are upset with my behavior. To really get a good understanding into this, um, I'd like to try out this 30 second meditation with you. We've all heard of something called reliving an experience. We have the ability to sit in a safe place with loving people around us, and yet our mind takes us to a situation, to a, an experience, and where we relive it, our heart down starts to pound, our pulse increases. It's as if we're reliving a past experience. Now, that's in the negative. In the positive, this, a similar thing. We can relive a happy event and create within us happy emotions. Let's try this out for a second. I'd like to ask everybody to think about for 30 seconds how God created and constantly recreates each detail of the world, looking after each part of the world with his divine providence. So I want you to think for 30 seconds about this point, that every single second, God is watching you and leading you with his divine providence. And I'm gonna ask if you're willing in 30 seconds to share what does that make you feel? You could, you could close your eyes, but just kind of breathe deeply and, and think about how Hashem is guiding you each moment. Anyone willing to share maybe what emotion this brief pro this brief thought process brought within them? Mark, please. So it's a it's a it's a feeling of comfort. And when I yeah. say com comfort, it's like I've got the big guy protecting me, and that gives me comfort. Awesome, a feeling of comfort. Thank you. Anybody else want to share a feeling that this thought led you to you could just jump on to let to the mic i'd say relaxed and and surrendering relaxed surrendering those are really special words yes um, powerful words so we have the ability with our meditation to slowly change our insights. 
So we, we're coming to the outside reality. We're saying my insides are not matching up to my outsides. So what we're learning is that through meditation over time, you can change your insides enough to align them to your outside. So you cannot, unless you're a tzaddik, your average person, the bainani, which is who we're talking to today, your average person cannot change his insides. However, through meditation, I love these pictures. So we have this spike, two people going in opposite directions. Okay, so now we ha- I made this arrow. If you, through meditation, we can take and make the men now go in the, the two people working in the same direction. You know, I want to clarify when I say that our insides are not aligned to our outsides, of course, we're talking about the insights of the animalistic soul are not aligned to our outsides because the godly soul, of course, is con- continually aligned to the behavior, um, to your appropriate behavior. La- so last week in session number three, with the, in session number two with the author, Eva, we spoke about impulse control. Impulse control attacks the behavior through pressing the red, if you remember there was a red impulse control button. When you kick in the impulse control, you're going to control your behavior. The meditation is going to allow your insides and outsides to become congruent, to be able to work together. So what should you think about to allow your, as you see, to allow both of your animal, your animalistic and godly soul to work together? What type of feeling should we want to create? Um, and what should we think about? We're going to talk much more about this actually in our eighth session with the Al-Karebbe, but in brief, in, for session number three that we're here at this moment, we want to, talk, we want to think about items that will lead us to lo- love and awe of God. Again, the meditations are going to le- be meditations that are going to bring us to love and awe of God, and we'll talk about them more in our eighth visit. So for the summary of session number three with the Al-Karebbe, apologies, um, meditation can align our insides and outsides and remove the tension between them. Okay, that is the third visit. So you come back a few weeks later to the Alter Rebbe. And again, you're going to learn another method. Apologies, this is part one. It should say part two. My insults are upset with my behavior, part two. So we're going to learn now another method um, to align our insides and our outsides. And I want to share with you two stories, um, matters of life and death. Story from June 4th, 2009. Two mothers, this is, this is a quote from the article, two mothers have been dubbed superwoman after saving a schoolboy's life by lifting a 1.1 ton car off his body. Donna McNamee and Abigail Ciccolo sprang into action when the eight-year-old boy was run over outside their homes. So we have these two mothers who were able to remove a car that was on this boy. Superwoman, truly. Now, I want you to imagine a week later, you know, Mark, you got a, you got a new uh, dishwasher and you just need some help bringing in your, you know, your dishwasher and double stacked uh, washer and dryer. And you say, hey, you guys just lifted up a car. You guys, you know, you must be really strong. Do you mind just, you know, helping me Bring in my uh, stackable washer and dryer. Will they be able to lift up your washer and dryer? Probably not. Not because now they became weaker. And when, when they had that adrenaline running in them, all of a sudden, they, it was a matter of life and death. They had new energy. I want to tell you on a more personal note, my grandfather, my father's father, during one of the uh, death marches during, in World War II, um, he was marching with another man who in middle said, look, I just can't go on. And he lay down. And if you know, at that point, basically the Nazis um, would kill you. So my grandfather picked up that man and carried him the rest of the march. How do we know this story? After his passing, after my grandfather's passing, the children of this man who we saved came to share the story. So he was able to carry someone for miles. Most often we can't do that. But when it's a matter of life and death, we have new energy. Okay, so 
in a matter of life and death, we have new energy. So this leads us to this next point, which is every Jew's innate nature, naturally, you will not allow yourself to separate from God. My essence is God and I will not, and I will give up anything to retain it. We won't allow ourselves to be separated from God. And, by, and this is why Jews throughout the ages have given up their life for God, even when seemingly externally we didn't see that they were practicing Jews. I heard someone recently give an example, and may his soul be a blessing to all of us, of Daniel Pearl. I was going to say that. Okay, I, I, I appreciate it. I, I was thinking about that. Okay. Daniel Pearl was a, was a Jew who externally we didn't see him practicing his Judaism. And yet, when it came to, at the end of his life, when he was going to be killed, tortured, I am a Jew, my mother is a Jew. I'm not saying this quote correctly, I apologize. But throughout our history, we've, Jewish people have always given up their life for God, even if they weren't practicing, because there's something within us. My essence is God, and I will give up anything to retain. But when we're not struggling, when we're not being, thank God we're blessed, and we're not being uh, tortured, is this idea relevant or practical to me and you? I, I, yes, I'll give up my life for God, but that's, thank God that's not where I am. You know, going back to the story, going back to the story is of the two women who picked up the car, you know, and I mentioned the story of my grandfather carried this man. What we're going to learn now in this fourth Yechidus, this fourth meeting with the Alter Rebbe is we have the ability to envision every moment as a matter of life and death. Now it's a deep method of, it's not, not that you should look at it as a matter of life and death, that you should be constantly scared, more, but more in, as an honor, and we'll see that in a moment. But what we're gonna learn is every moment we have the ability to kick in that adrenaline, like the two women lifting up the car, um, to allow us to choose the right decision. How is that? And that is through understanding a deep concept called the Hashem, the unity of God. How everything in, this, thing in this world is godliness. Everything is God. And every behavior we make either is going to enhance or severe, severe our, our connection to God. And if each moment we feel the gravity of each behavior, so, so going back to that idea, we'll receive a rush of adrenaline similar to other life-threatening situations. So in this, in this fourth Yechidah, we're learning how there is a method, in addition to the meditation, to constantly allow our insights not to bother us, and that would be through understanding that every moment we're making a decision to either connect or separate from God. I'll just mention, mention it briefly. Um, and that is that the third, the first method we learned to kind of align our insides and outsides through meditation is referred to as the long and short way. It's long, it takes a long time. Meditation is a real, is a lifelong process as we're gonna learn. But it's the short way because it's guaranteed. Meditation will work. Proper meditation guaranteed will create will allow your emotions to slowly become more congruent with your behavior. The second method, the method we just learned now of thinking how every moment is a matter of connection, connection or separation from God is called the short and long way. It's called short because if you could properly connect with it, it will kick in instantly. But it's long because it's not so easy for us to really feel how every decision is a matter of connection or separation from God. Okay, so now 
We know that we have an animalistic and godly soul. We know that we control our behavior and we have methods of aligning our insides and outsides. However, depression, depression kicks in. I am sad and non-clinically depressed. What can I do to overcome these feelings? You know, depression affects 18 million adults, one in 10, every given year. It's incredible, a scary statistic, one in 10 people. It's the leading cause of disability for ages 15 to 44. It's the primary reason why someone dies of suicide every 12 minutes. The real to, um, depression is a real challenge. So I want to continue in saying that when the Alter Rebbe is talking about depression at this moment, we're not talking about clinical depression. We're talking about non-clinical depression. What can I do to overcome these feelings? And throughout this Yechidot, the Alter Rebbe is going to address depression that's caused by physical challenges, depression that is caused by, by sins a person may have may have done, depression that's caused by evil thoughts a person is having. Additionally, this visit addresses how to deal with symptom halei, when your heart just becomes hard. You're just non-emotional. Um, and, and finally, how to bring joy into your life. This is a very brief overview of Tanya, so we're not going to be able to get into these ideas. I want to encourage anybody, if I could at any point ever... Uh, learn together, I'd love to. Um, but we're just gonna kind of briefly mention what's discussed in this class. I will share with you though a brief story. When I was 15 years old, I had the opportunity to go and visit uh, my uncle in San Diego. At that point, Rabbi Brisky was uh, one of the Chabad rabbis in San Diego and he shared with us a story. I went with my class how there was a girl who wanted to commit suicide. And she had gone to doctors and her parents said, please, can we have a rabbi come talk to her? And he shared with us, he said, what can a rabbi offer that a doctor can't offer? The doctors know what they're doing. What can we, what can we offer? What's a godly perspective? And the one thing that he shared, and he said at the time was a very powerful and, and was something that she actually was able to apply to herself. You know, we're told as rabbis that we have, we have God supporting us, meaning everybody needs to hear what they need to hear. And not only as rabbis, as, as people, God puts in our mouth what each person needs to hear at the right moment. So this girl, this is what she needed to hear. That to be a human, means to have a challenge. Not to have challenges means you're an angel. To be human means to have challenges. And well, actually, um, this idea he, he took out from the current chapters we're learning as well as uh, we'll touch upon a little later on. You know, I know I've been going um, quite fast. Any questions, comments before we move ahead? Okay. So while in middle of this, gathering in the middle of this uh, fifth visit, visit with the Alter Rebbe, he mentioned a surprise topic. And I choose the word surprise topic because as you see on the picture on the screen, there is something called Mahadura Kama, the first version of Tanya. In the first version of the Tanya, chapter 32 does not exist. The idea that we're going to learn now is, does not exist. It's only in the second chapter, it's only the second version that this idea was put in. 32 in Hebrew is the numerical value of lave heart. In other words, in the second version of Tanya, the author is stuck in a chapter, which technically, seemingly, may you could even say is out of place. He's telling you that chapter 32, the heart of Tanya, the heart of Chabad philosophy, the heart of Hasidism, the heart of a Jew is chapter 32. What does chapter 32 talk about? It talks about loving Ahavat Yisrael. How we can come to love every Jew, no, no matter what the circumstance is. 
And that is, the heart of the Tani is love your fellow Jews. That is through viewing one's body with scorn and finding joy only in the joy of the soul alone is a direct and easy way to attain the fulfillment of the commandments, the Ahavta, Lereyacha, Komecha, you shall love your fellow as yourself. In other words, the moment we look past our body, we all have the same soul. When it says viewing one's body with scorn, it doesn't mean you have to look down at your body and hate your body, no. But the moment you say my body is secondary and my soul is primary, on a soul level, we're all one. For whereas one despises and loathes one's body, while as for the soul and spirit, who can know their greatness and excellence and their root and source in the living God? The author ever tells us even further. Not only we're all one on a soul level, you don't even know the other person, his soul, the other person who looks lower than, lower than you, his soul may be much greater than you. So we're all one. And in addition to that, we have no clue. Our next door neighbor, who's, who looks like a civil person, may have a much greater soul. So, he, so the heart of Tanya is the ability to love your fellow as yourself. And this is why Chabad, remember, this is Chabad philosophy. This is why Chabad always places a great emphasis on accepting and loving everyone. I'll take away the word accepting. I want to say more than accepting, loving each other. Because that's the heart. That as the Alter Rebbe is addressing us here and telling us the heart of a Jew is being able to love one another. My grandfather... My mother's father, Rabbi Reichik, he moved, he lived in California, Los Angeles, and a friend of his who had studied with him in yeshiva moved to Los Angeles in the 1950s. He asked my grandfather to assist him in business, in, in, in working on a business deal, kind of connecting him, make, connecting him with other people, which my grandfather tried to, but wasn't successful in connecting his friends with the people he wanted. His friend was very upset at him, placed the blame on him, and he stopped talking to my grandfather. So one time, at a yechidus with the Rebbe, my grandfather walks in, and the Rebbe's secretary tells him that the Rebbe wants to know how your friend is doing. My grandfather says, I, I don't know, we we've lost touch. So the Rebbe says, what do you mean? What about Abbas Yisrael, loving your fellow as yourself? In other words, this is somebody who my grandfather had tried to help. The person was upset about the outcome and now is upset at him. But nonetheless, we have to go out and try to love him as much as possible. And that's what ended up happening. My grandfather went out of his way um, to really recreate a connection with this person, um, which, which is what happened. But again, the mitzvah of Abba Yisrael is the essence of Tanya, the essence of who we are. And we need to do whatever we can to love our fellow as ourselves. So in summary of the fifth visit, methods of dealing with numerous challenges and how to have true Abbas Yisrael, how to love one another. Okay, so now we've gotten past the inner challenges, but we wake up and I say, but what's the purpose of life? Why am I here? I'm not depressed. I've achieved behavioral perfection. But now I'm thinking, what, what, what am I doing here? I can't even change my insights. It's a constant struggle. I'm looking for the meaning in life. And I want you to know that we are so lucky. We are so lucky to have a clear, a clear answer to the purpose in life. Chapter 36 and 37 of Tanya really lay it out for us. The purpose for which this world was created is that the Holy One, blessed be He, desired to have an abode in the lower realm. So Hashem, the Medrash tells us that Hashem desires an abode. Hashem wants to live in the lowest possible place. This is dependent on our actions and divine service throughout the period of exile, for it is the mitzvah itself that causes, creates its reward. So today, what is our, as the uh, 
The slide says, what's the purpose? We are here because we have the ability to, to conclude God's master plan of a beautiful, beautiful world, a world of peace, a world of harmony, a world of love where, where God truly dwells. You know, talking about the time of Mashiach and creating this, this uh, perfect world where Hashem dwells. When I was a yeshiva student, 20 years old, I was in Melbourne, Australia at the time, and I went to visit a Jewish family. And they were a beautiful conversation, but in, midst, in the midst of the conversation, they tell me, why do the Jewish people have to copy the Christians? They say, well, we have such a beautiful religion. Why do we need to copy the Christians? I'm, okay. I say, okay, tell me more. They say, yeah. The Christians created the idea of Moshiach, and we're copying it from them. So I said, I'm so happy you're sharing. But actually, Moshiach is a Jewish idea. And that is the reason God created the world. God created the world that in the lowest of low, we have the ability to create a beautiful, beautiful master plan. And again, this idea clarifies to you a major point in Chabad philosophy. If you know, within, within Chabad, we ask people, we say, hey, you want to have a kosher meal? You want to come to my house for Friday night? I don't, we don't say, hey, I need you to start only eating kosher. No, we say, come. You want to come one time and have kosher food? People that tell us they don't believe, I don't believe in God. Okay, so light candles, light Shabbat candles anyways. What's the reason behind that? Because each individual physical deed brings God into this world. You don't believe, that's fine. You don't need to believe. As you see on this next slide, complaint, the complaint department is closed. You don't, you don't feel the connection. That's fine. But if you're willing to do the mitzvah, do the, do the deed, do the act. The act, your physical action changes the world and brings to fruition God's desire of a dwelling place in this physical world. And crying about your, your insight, that's not important. That's not how the world is going to become a dwelling place for God. So what's the purpose? The purpose is that you and I have the ability to create this beautiful, beautiful world. Take a jungle and make it in this beautiful palace where we could all live in harmony and God will have a real dwelling. So the primary act is most important. Okay, but this leads us to our seventh, our seventh yechidus, our seventh visit. Because now you're telling me I don't need to have intention. It's all about the act. It's all about the deed. So I don't, it doesn't matter what happens inside of me. And by the way, this question was asked by Korach. If you're familiar, in the book of Numbers, the Jewish people send spies to Israel to scout out the land. And the spies come back and they say, we'll never be able to conquer Israel. And God was very disappointed. Anyone know the continuation of the story? I'm sure you all know. God was very disappointed, and because of that, all of the Jewish people cried. God said, all of you are going to stay here in the desert for 40 years. That is why we stayed in the desert for 40 years. God was very disappointed how the spies came back and said, we won't be able to conquer it. And, all the Jew and we all believe, we believed it. Why do the spies say we can't conquer it? What were they trying to say? The spies were trying to say, that the, that the spirituality is most important. The moment we're going to go to Israel, we're going to get connected with the physical, we're going to get lost. So God was upset, very upset with this spy. So God said, no, no, the most important item is the deed, the physical deed. Go to Israel. I'll help you get in. But spirituality is not most important. The most important thing is the, is the physical deed. So hearing that comes along a man named Korach. Korach says, if it's all about the deed, guess what? 
He makes an uprising. He says, you know us, we're all equal. Moses and Aaron, you guys, well, I don't need you. I, put on, I could do the mitzvah, you could do the mitzvah. We're all equal because intention doesn't matter. Your greatness, Moshe and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, are only because you're more spiritual. But that doesn't matter anymore. It's all about the physical deed. Anyone know the end of Korah's story? Call it out. I'm sure someone knows the famous ending of Korah's story. Got swallowed up in the earth. He got swallowed up. Yeah. Correct. And his followers as well. Hashem was also unhappy. Why? <clears throat> why? Let's leave with the why for a second. I want you to imagine two waiters, okay? You go to a restaurant, and the first scenario, an incredible waiter, you arrive at a restaurant greeted by a welcoming waiter. He makes you comfortable, takes your order, is consistently checking up on you. You're having an incredible time until the food comes out. He completely got your food order wrong. You ordered chicken. He brought you fish. It's just a mess. But he's a, he, he was very friendly. That's scenario number one. Scenario number two, you can see that picture. The, guy, the, the waiter doesn't look so kind. The waiter is not friendly, but he brings you the correct food. So who do you want? Do you want this wonderful waiter but the wrong food? Or you want the waiter with the correct food? Come on. Tell me, please. Someone tell me. What, what would, you, would your preference be? I'm happy with the fish. You're happy with the fish? No. I want, I yeah, I want, the, I want the, the right food. food. The correct food. We want the correct food. Now, I want to tell you, it would be even better the correct food with a smile, right? But the most important thing is to get the correct food. And so that is the answer to isn't, does intention matter? The most important thing is the deed. We need to, we need to bring out the right food. You don't do it with a smile, fine. But to smile and not bring out the right food, that's not acceptable. In other words, as it says here, the physical act is primary. However, proper intention makes the act more powerful and, and effective. So the physical act is, is most important. Well, let's do it with a smile. So we're wrapping up. We only, we, we only have two more visits to the altar, Abby. And if you remember, in your third visit, we, we said, later on, we're going to talk about different types of meditation. That is going to be in our eighth visit here. Here you see a picture, a beautiful picture by Zalman Kleiman of someone, uh, of someone who has her talis on and they're deep in meditation. What meditations should we focus on? Call it out. What, type, what are we trying to create? What feelings are we trying to create with our meditation? Anyone want to take a guess? Accountability was inside and... Good, good, good. We're trying to, to make our insides and outsides compatible. Good. What thought process will make that happen? That's going to be thoughts that inspire awe and love of God. Now, I want to talk about love and awe of God. But before I talk about love and awe of God, I want to talk about what's the difference between love and awe. You know, we're not using the word fear. And, and if you remember, when we learned this in the Tanya, actually, many people were saying fear is, is not a good word. Um, and after looking a little more into it, a lot of people agree. Instead of using the word fear, which is scary, we're going to use the word awe. Awe brings out reverence and respect. So what's the difference between love and awe? So love is what I will do for the one I respect. For example, if your spouse says, please go to the store and pick up pizza and you get it, that's love. I'm doing something for my spouse. Awe is what I hold back from doing out of respect. If you want to go get the pizza and your spouse says, I need you home right away, and you come home right away, that's respect. Again, love is getting the pizza. Respect is going to be not getting it when you're told you need to get straight home. 
the love of God. I love Hashem, and therefore I'm going to do the mitzvot. I, re- I have awe of God, and therefore I'm not going to do what I'm not allowed to do. We have positive commandments and the negative commandments. So the love of God inspires me to do the positive commandments. I'm going to light the Shabbos candle. And the awe of God is going to inspire me to not, to not eat something I shouldn't eat. Again, we, in the lieu of, there's, we're limited in time. So I'm just going to mention briefly four different types of meditation. Now we could, there's many types of love. And even as a couple grows older, their love and awe and respect is continually growing. And that is why there's so many types of meditation. They all bring out different types of love and different types of awe and different types of respect. So just to name a few, one, one meditation is the meditation of nafshi evisicha, God, my soul, I desire you, loving God because he is the source of life. So the first meditation is how God is who I am, and therefore I love who I am. I love God. A second meditation is like a son, kibradi shtadl butter avoyve like a son who strives for his father and mother to love God more than life. So you love God even more than yourself. A third is compassion for the plight of the soul. Your soul descended from the highest place and is trapped in a coarse body. Let's get it out of, let's get it out of the coarseness, out of the roughness. And uh, fourth, meditation is about reciprocating love. If God contracted his life for us, how much more so should we forego our own comforts for him? You know, to allow this world to be created, God took the infinite and made it finite. We talk about the most incredible limitations that God created on himself. So if God was able to set aside his own comfort to create us, let's set aside our comfort for him. So... In the eighth visit to the Alter Rebbe, we learn throughout life, different meditations and emotions can assist us through each unique wave that may come our way. Every, every time of life, every part of life has its own need, its own emotion. And now we come to our final visit. What, what are we going to hear at our final visit? What message are we going to take away? The flame, the Shekhinah, remains below through consuming the wick, the animal soul. This visit is going to put what we've, everything we've learned and kind of put it together. We've spoken about the animal and godly soul, animal and godly drive. We've spoken about the reason for creation. We've spoken about the importance of the physical deed and, if possible, also the intention. Now let's put it all together. You know, we, again, I, we, we've uh, been learning how this is Chabad philosophy. In other words, what we do is based on what we learn here. One of the things that Chabad was very active in, and it continues, continues to be active in, is making sure that Jewish people in any situation are taken care of, including Jewish people that unfortunately find themselves in prison. And when, they, when we started assisting people in prison, initially there was a reaction from a group of, a major group of people that said, but they're in prison, they're prisoners, they're bad people. Well, who cares about them? In addition to what we learned that the heart of Tanya, the heart of who we are is to love one another, we're going to learn something today much we're going to learn something tonight that's another great step. And that is, as we've begun to learn, that every individual action, every, every holy action we do has an incredible effect on this world. And the harder the circumstance, 
the greater the effect. That's what we're going to learn in our final, in our final visit. The harder the reality is for us to do this godly, this godly act, the greater the effect on this world. People that find themselves in difficult situations, not only should we not forsake them, we should know that they hold the key for all of us to create a beautiful world. How is that? So we have a verse in Deuteronomy that says that for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire. Hashem is a consuming fire. Well, what's a fire? In the case of a material candle, the light shines by virtue of the annihilation and burning of the wick turning to fire. How does a candle work? The fire shines through annihilating and burning the wick. So God is a fire. That means for God to stay in this world, well, we have a fire. We have the Shekhinah. We have the Godliness. We need to know what is the wick that's going to transform and become annihilated. What is the oil and what is the candle? So we learn that the light of the Shekhinah, godliness, rests on the divine soul as a result of the annihilation of the animal soul and its transformation. Let's read that again. The Shekhinah, godliness, rests on our divine soul through transforming the animal soul. So what does that tell us? The fire is this, this supernal light that is kindled on one's head, namely the Shekhinah. The oil is the mitzvah, the physical deed. The wick is the animal drive being transformed into godliness. And the candle is the divine soul. God is he's a fire. Fire meaning that the way you keep fire on a candle is through allowing the wick to be transformed and annihilated. You, by allowing the wick to become one with the fire. The way we bring godliness down into this world is by transforming our, God, our animalistic soul and allowing it to become one with God. Look at this slide. An incredible, incredible thought. A spiritual experience is literally burning calories for God. A spiritual experience is literally burning calories for God. The greater the physical body, the greater the animal drive we have, the greater our, our negative passion is, the more potential fuel we have to bring God into this world. Wow. So now, let's revisit the two stories we had. We started off with the story of the Alter Rebbe, who left the show on Yom Kippur to cut wood and make a fire cook food for this woman in need. And we asked, on Yom Kippur, why don't you send her husband home? The Alter Rebbe is telling God that the most important part of being a Jew is a physical deed. And we could be in synagogue praying, but if there's someone that needs food, we're missing the point. The physical deed comes first. The primary action is we have to just do it. So what do we conclude our visit to the Alter Rabbi with? Here's, a, here's four takeaways I want you to leave with. Number one is, I love this point. Our animal drive is the solution, not the problem. We began, Tanya, thinking the root of all challenges is our animal soul. But we conclude with the knowledge that our animal soul and its drive is the key to completing our mission in this world. The animal drive, when we have these negative feelings, when we have perhaps a lustful feeling, it, inappropriate, inappropriate thought, 
if you could control your thought, control your behavior, then your animal soul is the key to bringing God into this world. That's point number one. Point number two, are we in a winnable situation? Are we able to succeed in life? Certainly. Not only that, this is the only situation through which God's desire of a dwelling place below can be completed. So not only are we in a winnable situation, this is the only situation through which we can bring God into this world. Number three, don't think we spent five years learning Tanya, now we're done. As we have a custom in Chabad, we learn every single year the Tanya new because we have to continually learn and refresh ourselves and remain in, in contact with what our mission in life is and our ability. And number four is our work is cut out for us. And all we need is to just do it. I want to share about two um, upcoming opportunities, and then we'll take some questions and answers. Um, number one is next Saturday night, December 5th. Um, we're going to have a celebration. Everybody's invited. It's called the Personal and Tactical, How the Study of Tanya Has Affected Me. Um, two Saturday, love for, that's two, two Saturdays out. Correct. Two Saturdays out, yes. Um, and I'd love for everybody to join. As well as our next series we're going to learn is going to be Shahar Bittach on the Gate of Trust, um, which I truly believe will have a transformational um, effect on everybody who joins. So any, thank you all for joining. I really appreciate you taking this journey with me. Um, any questions uh, or answers or, or comments that uh, we, you'd like to share? No, I just want to say thank you, Rabbi. It's been a lovely journey. Well, thank you all for joining.